Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Akun Wong and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time and with me, joining me shortly, I suppose, <laughs> will be Ryan Whitfield, frequent contributor to Fantasy Pros and Pro Football Focus, and of course, my co-host here on Football Garbage Time. So we're going to have a lot to talk about this week, and part of what we're going to talk about is COVID-19 and its impact on the NFL. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, because the first thing I want to talk about is Bill O'Brien. And before we get into some of the details of all the other things that are rolling around the league, this kind of came out, and we've had some thoughts on this, but just wanted to catch you all up on it. I mean, there was some new information today that Bill O'Brien actually got into it with some players, including J.J. Watt. So those of you who aren't familiar with the situation, former head coach Bill O'Brien was fired by the Houston Texans owner, Cal McNair, and Romeo Cornell was promoted to interim coach effective immediately. Apparently, O'Brien wasn't seeing eye-to-eye with the EVP character coach, Jack Easterby. And as I just mentioned, he got into a big shouting match, apparently, with J.J. Watt, which started a little bit of a flare revolt. Um, interestingly, right before this all happened, in uh, week four, he laughingly promoted himself to play caller, and that obviously did not help at all. Um, whatever the case may be, O'Brien might now be best known for trading away stud wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, as well as their 2021 first and second round pick, and getting perhaps just uh, an already done David Johnson, maybe Kenny Stills in return. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot at all. But with this information, there seems to be a lot of issues. I mean, clearly, he clashed frequently and loudly with players. He clashed frequently and loudly with coaches and staff during the final weeks of his seven-year tenure. And um, as I mentioned, there was a pretty much a highly detailed clash with J.J. Watt, uh, along with defensive coordinator Anthony Weaver, and then some separate verbal altercations with other staff members all around. So this is clearly not a good thing for him. He's going to be left to go find another gig in the NFL. And I, it is very unclear to me what um, what's going to happen going forward for him because uh, he's left such a sour taste in Houston with regard to all the trades. Uh, you know, getting rid of the aforementioned DeAndre Hopkins and all those other issues that he's kind of raised the organization institutionally and otherwise. So we raise that up front just to tease it up. I mean, it's, uh, I was going to get uh, Ryan's comments on it. I'll get Ryan's comments uh, from it later. And if you listen to the podcast, you know how we feel about Bill O'Brien. Uh, this essentially is a long time coming. So we'll see how that all plays out uh, in the long run. But for now, Romeo Cornell in charge. Maybe he gets an opportunity to turn around the, uh, the Houston Texans and turn around Deshaun Watson because there was some terrible play calling there. With that said, we have a lot to cover today. We're going to be talking about COVID-19, as I mentioned before. We're going to be talking about the, um, the impact of that, both in terms of teams, games played, and players. And then we're going to talk about Dwayne Haskins and his benching. And then we're going to talk about games that we are watching for in week four. With that said, let's get rolling. All 
All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is the impact of COVID-19 on the NFL. Now, first of all, we all know that COVID-19 has changed everything about the way the NFL is operating right now, right down to its policies, right down to fan attendance, right down to, at this point, how teams are going to perform because it's certainly impacting key players. Uh, If you look at the fan attendance through uh, the first couple games of the year, I mean, it's really interesting to see what um, types of uh, fan attendance that the different teams are allowing. Um, If you look at all the teams in the NFL, there really have been only 11 teams that have allowed fans to attend in their stadiums and at most in two games. So on average, if you're looking at from most to least, the Dallas Cowboys have allowed 25,000 approximately fans to attend at 25% capacity. And at the very bottom, we have the Indianapolis Colts that has allowed an average of 4,990 fans to attend or 7.9% capacity. And then we got a whole numbers in between with Jacksonville, Kansas City, Houston, Miami, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Denver, and Carolina. Uh, all the other teams have not allowed any uh, fans in the stands, and it's unlikely that we're going to see fans in the stands moving forward because of what we're seeing on the field. Um, as we all know, we had the COVID-19 positives on the Tennessee Titans last week, leading to the postponement of the Titans and Steelers Week 4 matchup. And then we had Cam Newton testing positive and ultimately postponing the Patriots and Chiefs game to Monday night. Uh, Ultimately, maybe not so bad for fans to watch two Monday night games, but bad for the Patriots as without Cam Newton, didn't seem like Brian Hoyer or Jared Stenham was the answer. So sorry, Patriots fans, and uh, that was a tough one. And that's another example of how COVID-19 is impacting the teams on the field itself. On Tuesday, the NFL provided a memo of new and more stringent COVID-19 protocols, and Roger Goodell mentioned that if these protocols are violated, teams may even risk forfeiture of games. So that's uh, pretty serious stuff. And uh, here we are, fast-forwarding another day to Wednesday, and we get the report that Stephon Gilmore of the Patriots, who played in that Monday night game against the Chiefs, tested negative and now tests positive for COVID-19. So that's going to be a real impact. And along with another Patriot from the Packers squad, that's two on the New England Patriots plus Cam Newton. So we're going to have some real issues there for the Patriots moving forward. Who knows if this calls into question whether the Patriots can continue playing football into week five. And, of course, it also came to light that the Titans actually went outside their facilities to hold informal practices last week, including with Ryan Tannehill, which led to two more positive tests this week, including with Corey Davis, putting the Titans' prospects of playing in Week 5 in jeopardy. So some serious, serious issues here. Like I mentioned previously, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens going forward, but there is the question of what should be done with these teams that violate these protocols, particularly in light of what we've seen with Tennessee. Now, we don't know if any of the other teams have been violating protocols, at least not as serious as we've seen with the Tennessee Titans. But the question is, what do we do? Because we can't always move teams off into their bye weeks at some point, and we, Ryan and I spoke about this last week, we will not be able to move teams in the bye weeks anymore because it will be late enough in the year where the bye week has already passed, Uh, and there's just no more flexibility in terms of rescheduling games. And you may not be as lucky as the Patriots and the Chiefs were and be able to simply push off from a Sunday to a Monday or even from a Sunday to a Tuesday. 
um, you may not have that opportunity, in which case, what do you do? And one of the things that we mentioned earlier and something that uh, Roger Goodell mentioned um, briefly uh, along with the new um, provisions that they set out in terms of protocols for COVID-19 was that there may be a forfeiture penalty. That is, if you uh, fail to follow the protocols of the uh, COVID-19 guidelines, that you may forfeit your games. And there's been some discussion about the fact whether the Tennessee Titans should have just forfeited their games uh, this week and last week and just move on with their schedule. Um, that being said, that may be the answer going forward because they're out of practical for practical reasons, there really isn't any room for these games to get rescheduled, unlike baseball where you can play a doubleheader and they had special rules for that where those games would only last seven innings. You can't really do that for football. You can't play double headers in football, even if you shorten it down, unless you're thinking about going two quarters apiece or something like that, which sounds almost ridiculous. You just can't do that in football. And you just don't have the, the flexibility. It's such a demanding sport, one that requires so much physical activity and physical commitment that it's just impossible to do that. And if you shorten the time frame in which they play, and you say, well, we'll just put them off to Tuesday or Wednesday, and then you have that quick turnaround time, turnaround time to Sunday or, or worse yet, Thursday, uh, that could be a real issue. As we've already seen and as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks on this podcast, there have been lots of serious injuries in the NFL, and certainly having those games kind of stack up and be kind of almost back-to-back-to-back can lead to even more injuries. So, there's a lot of issues here, folks, and it's certainly putting a little bit of a damper on the NFL season. We'll see how that goes. Um, but for now, keep your eyes out as to what you're going to have to, uh, what we're going to have to do going forward, because this could be an issue for your team as it is for the Tennessee Titans, uh, which week five is now gen- definitely in question against the Bills. It will also impact, obviously, the Bills because they will not have anyone to play and this could impact others along the way. So keep an eye on it. Let's see what happens. Let's hope that the extra precautions in this new memo will help uh, limit the spread. We actually were getting a little bit of a good feeling that maybe we wouldn't have an issue coming into this week because there weren't any issues, and we saw how successful uh, leagues like the NHL have been in uh, keeping COVID-19 down. And, of course, the NBA has been relatively successful with that as well. But, you know, not playing in a bubble, not playing in limited locations, having traveling and having all these players um, on the sidelines, you know, it can be a real issue. And uh, it's certainly something to keep your eyes on. So COVID-19, NFL, the new reality. Let's see what's going to happen going forward. But for now, we're, uh, we're going to have a, a little bit of a – we're going to have a little bit of an issue. Um, so yes, uh, we'll be right back in just a second um, as we just take care of getting Ryan back on here. <laughs> so we'll be right back in about two minutes. We and we're back. We're back. Hey Ryan, how you doing? There is not a telecommunications platform that has more issues than than this godforsaken platform. Um, so <laughs> I'm uh, yes, it is true. This is how we feel about those guys. Yes, thank you, Blog Talk Radio, for giving everybody a chance to get up and go to the bathroom during our middle of our podcast because we gave everybody a nice nice four minute break. But we're back. We're back now. So nothing to worry about, guys. 
So, Ryan, we just hit um, basically all the impacts of COVID-19, including everything that's happened with the Titans, everything that's happened with the Patriots, including with Stephon Gilmore and, uh, and the fact that the Titans were found practicing outside the facilities. We also talked about the fact that there are new guidelines in place with the NFL for protocols for COVID-19 and the fact that Roger Goodell mentioned that um, forfeiture may be a penalty for not following the protocols into the future. So what's your take on all this, Ryan? Are we taking enough precautions to account for COVID-19, or is this season in jeopardy? I mean, the season is jeopardy because there's a pandemic going on. And so the way I'll wrap this up or sum up my whole feelings on it is, first of all, um, I'm just – especially when it comes to the NFL, uh, I'm not in the business of siding with uh, the the owners over the laborers. that's just how I personally feel about a lot of uh, the, the, the situations that go on in the NFL. There's not a weaker players union. There's not a, a union that's exploited more by the owners. There's not a league office that's more dominating and, and almost very old world run. Um, in a lot of ways, it feels like feudalism, um, you know, with, with royalty and serfs out there. It, it, and it's the, the reaction today is, is honestly, um, I'll censor myself, but bleeping disgusting what's going on um, <laughs> with with the way the league's approaching this right now. Um, so so in the case of the Tennessee Titans, um, you know, it sounds like they did break the protocols. And, and, you know, on the simple stuff, you know, the guy who I think has been more, more, the most blatant, and we made a joke about it last week, but it's getting to the point now where it's not funny and I'm not really in the pooch joke about it anymore. Uh, John Gruden's unwillingness to just wear a mask, you know, stuff like that, like I have yeah. no tolerance for. Um, but the Tennessee yeah. Titans, I mean – because these games are just being, you know, pushed back a couple of days and stuff like that, the solution last week, and the similar solution the Patriots are facing right now, is to have zero practices all week and then go into an NFL game right. and try to win. And so, so you know, right. you can all sit there and point the finger and start, you know, trying to um, shame the Tennessee Titans for getting together. This was not a group of middle-aged men in a, in a small town who, who couldn't not go work out together because they just wanted to be, you know, for vanity reasons, wanted to be jacked and looking good during the middle of a pandemic. I mean, these are professionals who are here to play a sport who are being told they can't practice, so they snuck off to try to get some work in together because they have to go out there and play. I mean, this is a league who routinely, you know, says, you know, you know they'll, they'll, they'll you know, we all use the term, the term short week for a team coming up a Monday night game who has to play on, on Sunday because they have, you know, six days instead of seven days. And so we can't out of one side of our mouths call that a short week and on the other side be like, well, why are the Titans being so reckless? Like, I mean, obviously they're going to go out there and try to practice. So, so that's one. Two, um, you know, I find it absolutely insane and ludicrous. And there's, I, watched, I listened to a lot of sports, uh, local sports talk today. Uh, yep. And there were some more national guys on. <clears throat> some of the local programs, one being Burt Breer, um, who I believe is he's either MMQB now or NFL Network. He moves around a lot, so I forget where he is now. But it was him, and then it was uh, Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal, uh, from the whole sports sports journal team that's uh, online subscription. Uh, anyways, they both were talking, and so I forget which one, but it mentioned that you know the league offices have come out and said, you know, basically they're putting this on the teams and saying if they just follow the protocols, um, you know, everything would be fine. And I actually had a debate with one of my friends today. You know, who said, well, you know, if the players are being responsible and to stay home, then, then there'll be no issue unless there's some kind of outbreak amongst their family. How do we still not understand how this disease works? 
Like we're, we're nine months. Yeah. In. First of all, you can be asymptomatic. So your child. So if any of these players have a child who goes off to daycare, who, who contracts it in, in, you know, in, in a situation like that, or someone going grocery shopping, I mean, it doesn't have to be that they're being out there being reckless. This could be a family situation comes home. They're asymptomatic. They Absolutely. don't know. Cause um, I don't know how often the families are being tested, but I can't imagine it's, I mean, the, the owners are so cheap. They don't even want to test the players daily. They're doing it every other day. So I, I highly doubt they're testing all the, all the members of the, of the families uh, of these players. So from something reasonable could happen that then one person gets sick and now the whole thing is, but no, 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 no. The NFL is the right. only person who's figured out a guideline set to be impervious to COVID. I don't know if everyone knew that the NFL is the only group of people on this planet who have figured out the solution to COVID. They've done it. So if we <laughs> actually just take those yeah. guidelines yeah, and put them into place in our lives, them, huh? the whole thing will just go away. Who knew? The whole thing, Dr. Dr. Yeah. Roger Goodell and, 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 the, and the rest of the goodies at 334 Park Street have figured it out. That's it. Just follow what the NFL's doing. It's amazing. That's it. Just don't be stupid. Brilliant. They've, got, they've got all the answers. It's so goddamn arrogant. And, and you know, and it was tied into this one was from Bert Breer, I think, uh, or actually may have been Bernard. Again, I forget who. But they mentioned a Peter King article from last week where, where people internally from the league office were saying that Goodell's handling of COVID-19 and the social justice issue that they're facing this year uh, is what takes him from, from, a good, from a good commissioner to a Hall of Fame-worthy commissioner, which is so ludicrous because he's the same guy that blackballed a guy for kneeling four years ago. And then when the whole country was, was, uh, was, was rioting and, and, and he torn apart on the social justice issue, he finally allowed them to make some kind of message out there. And now we're going to paint it like he's handled this well. Please spare me. I mean, it literally, it's, it's a propaganda machine out, out, out of Park, uh, Park Ave. And, and I'm just... I'm so tired of it, and I'm so tired of the victimizing everybody else. And, and, and you know, the thing is that, you know, I, I, you know, if Patrick Mahomes comes down with this now, because that whole photo is now being surfaced of him and, and uh, Gilmore with, uh, having Gilmore. A, a close embrace yeah. at the end of the game, if, if he comes down with it now, that is on the leak. That is on the leak, and, 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 and this is why it's so, – because they don't under – again, the people who figured it out don't understand the incubation period. And, and so, so the fact that, right. that, that right. we didn't know – we didn't know that uh, Cam Newton was positive until Thursday or Friday last week. It might have been Saturday. I forget what it was. Late in the yep, week, right? Friday. Which means now every person who's yep. been in contact with him is still at risk, and you play a game three days later. I mean, that is literally right. against every guideline of what you should be doing during this pandemic, and they don't understand it. So That's right. I'm Gilmore was negative up until to today. Right. And, and, and just, I mean, we've seen it with the Tennessee Titans, and I know they practiced last week. So that that's extended it, but I mean, they keep every couple of days we keep getting more people trickling in with positive tests. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same thing in New England. And luckily with the Titans, because I think it was the Vikings they played in Week Three, we didn't see any Vikings players test positive. But if this thing now jumps ship over to the, the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, that's I mean, this is again, this is literally a class in, in how this thing spread from oh, one one part of the world to the whole world. Yep. Right? Is that one yep. person had it? Butterfly effect. Spread it to a group. That group spread it to another group. It's a ripple effect. It goes across the whole league. This is how it happens because yep. because because they're so hell bent on protecting their revenue and just charging forward. Um, and so it's it's ludicrous. And, and so you can uh, you know use uh, some of the younger kid uh, slang here. Miss me with that uh, blaming the player bullshit because I'm not into it. Uh, this is a league that yep. that is arrogant, thinks it's bulletproof against anything, does not care about. I mean, the, the whole player safety thing spurred out of the fact that they got their asses sued off for lying about concussions for 30 effing years. So, so don't tell me that this league cares about players. They don't. They care about PR and they care about printing money, which they're they're good at both of those. But I'm not I'm not buying I'm not buying the PR in this. And, and if you are, shame on you. 
Right. Well, it, uh, it looks like that uh, they are definitely losing a lot of money. NFL loses almost $5 billion from not having play, um, fans in the stands. We talked about that a little bit earlier today before Ryan got on, uh, what the fans in the stands are looking like. And it looks like that they can lose another $4 billion if things don't start getting mitigated soon. This is a lot of dollars, and unfortunately they're uh, using it as motivation to continue down this road, uh, which is contrary to science. So we'll see what and happens, on it, keeping an eye on that. Lastly on it, yep. quickly, I just want to touch on, because the other thing is that people are, you know, uh, getting all concerned about, you know, the other option is if we put, start postponing all these weeks, and then we talked about this last week, then you have to start tacking on extra weeks. And, like, while it's, it's not ideal, again, the, the other circumstance is way less fair, where one team doesn't practice all week and then has to roll out there in the game and puts the other team at, at risk, you know, for their own personal health, and then their families are at risk and so on and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I think, I think it was six weeks. You have to remember, this is probably – this predates when me and you uh, – and started doing this podcast together, but that, that 2012 national title game between Bama and, and Notre Dame, I mean, there were yep. almost two full months off. So, so don't tell me you can't yep. have it. So, so is, is it ideal? Right. No, but again, it's much more ideal than teams being punished on a weekly basis, um, not being able to practice yep. and having to roll out there and play a football game. Yeah, it definitely will be true to see how this really impacts. And, of course, there's also the specter of forfeiture if people don't follow the protocols. So, obviously, that's all in play. Everyone keep an eye out on how that all turns out. Lots of things still developing there. And, of course, Titans at risk for not being able to play in Week 5, as are the Patriots. All right, well, that's plenty on COVID-19, I think. Let's hit two more topics real quick. Um, I'm going to hit the bell. And I already talked about this in a little bit of detail and how I feel about Bill O'Brien. What are your thoughts on O'Brien's firing in in tech in Houston, good, bad, or uh, otherwise. So I mean, it, it, this one's twofold. So so one, it's the right move uh, for your franchise. Um, you know, again, I think we talked about this last week. You know, stop shaking the Patriot yeah. tree. Like I mean, it, it, it's 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 unbelievable how much. You know, you can't call him the greatest coach of well, all Pat time. I definitely believe you know, that involved. now because of Pat Patricia. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's just another one. I mean, this is, I mean, the Patriot dynasty has gone on so long. I mean, people forget I me. Mean, we have to, we have to wind this clock back again to me and use Notre Dame fandom to, to a guy like Charlie Weiss, uh, Romeo Cornell, who was no good sure. as a, was no good as a head coach. Like, um, and, and I sure. think part of the issue is that. And who will be taking over committing. for Bill O'Brien, by the way? <laughs> well, I mean, that thing, that thing's another thing. I mean, this guy, this guy has no personnel background. And so, uh, you know, how, how we have uh, Jack Easterby or Easter Bay, East Bay, Easter, I forget what his last name is, but I mean, he was, he has like a religious background. He was like the, 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 the personal conduct coach or whatever for the Patriots the or like character player coach. Yes. Character, <laughs> character coach. coach. And like, he's gone over and done the same thing. And somehow now he's got the owner's ear so much that he's, he's manu- maneuvered himself into a position of like GM power, which is, which is astonishing. Yeah. EVP. Um, so, so weird. So, so, so that's wrong, one. Two, um, uh, you know, there's a lot to look at in Houston and, and uh, uh, McNair. And if, if, if there's something uh, – is that his name, McNair? Why am I forgetting the, the owner's last name? Anyway. Yeah, yeah, Cal McNair. Um, Cal McNair. McNair. Yeah, well, I started psyching myself out that I was thinking Steve McNair. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, you got it right. You got it right. It's McNair. Yeah. So, so, so McNair, you know, I mean, back to the comment a couple years ago about the, the prisoners running the – the prison or whatever he said, you know, oh, um, the yeah. prisoners run the asylum. And so, you know, he, he does have that look of somebody who might 
you'd be at the age, not the age to discriminate, but that, that might not be having a full grasp on things. He's let Billy O'Brien run around and do what he's done the last couple of years, and now you're going to bring in a guy who has no background in player personnel decisions. Wild. Anyways, yep. stop shaking the Patriot yep. tree. It doesn't work. They can, they're, they're fine coordinators, but I think, and you're especially seeing, I think Matt, Matt Patricia, and to a lesser degree, but also to a degree, Bill O'Brien has the same issue of this arrogance as somebody who thinks because they worked for, for Belichick that they, does, that they command the same respect, the same, um, uh, you know, power and, and, and influence, yeah. and, and they just don't. They're just – you're not him. Like, yeah. Being the coordinator of three Super Bowls, and I go back to the way Belichick handled himself both in Cleveland and early days in New England. Like this whole character, character, caricature – of who Belichick is and the grumpy old man and stuff like that didn't happen until after the first three Super Bowls. He was he played by the rules. I've talked about this forever. Go back and look at the way Belichick dressed in the 01 season. He wore team apparel that weren't cut off. He wore nice khakis. He wore regular clothes. He didn't show up to press conferences in ratty, tatty shirts like he did a couple weeks ago. He does that now because who's going to tell him not to? You earn that. You don't demand it. And that's the issue that I've seen with these Patriot coaches. So it's the right decision, again, in terms of the organization because, I mean, for, for, for God's sake, you had to get him out before trade away any more picks. Um, because because it's right. a mess. Now that the timing of it, I don't like one. Um, one being that it is in the middle of a pandemic, and I just I don't know an early firing. I know this is probably relating the real world too much as the sporting world, which are two different worlds completely. But like I don't know with with all the economic issues that this country had during the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, you know people needing jobs more now than ever. Just you know just the, the overall state of what we're going through to fire somebody and put somebody's family through something right now while they're dealing with that. I don't love that, the, out, the, the look of that. Um, and, and if you had a chance to save your season, if you were two and three right now and you really didn't like it, then okay. You know, maybe I could be sold on it that, you know, you're trying to save your season. You're only four. The season's over. You're out. You're not in the NFC East, unfortunately, Houston. You're not going to run the table. You're right. not going to go get the playoffs. And the schedule makers, this is the other reason I feel bad for O'Brien in the situation, he had no shot going into this year. Now, it didn't help me trade away DeAndre Hopkins for, for David Johnson and, you know, to swap out more picks. But that aside right. for a second, I mean, you started off with the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Vikings. And I know the Vikings were 0-3, but the Vikings are a good football team that just were off to a bad start. And they were coming in desperate. You had two desperate 0-3 teams. One team needed to win that game. And, you know, that's a coin flip for you at that point. Whereas the first three games, I think a lot of us, you know, people said, okay, they got to get that Steelers win because they're, otherwise they're going 0-3. But no one really believed that they're not the – of those three teams or of those four teams, they're the worst one of those, of those four. So it's not super surprising that they went 0-3 to start. So it's not like this this whole – you know, train wreck is on Bill O'Brien in terms of the performance based against the schedule this year. Now, if you want to blame him for the player personnel decisions, sure. Um, you know, as everyone, as we mentioned before, I, I, uh, I follow the Texans closely because some of my other affiliations and stuff like, I mean, they have the lowest rookie con- contributing snaps right now of any, of any team in the league because they didn't have any rookies to draft this year. And they don't, and I think they don't, they, I think they don't have their first or their fourth round pick next year. So the, the the sky is not just dark right now; it's dark for a long time in Houston. Um, <laughs> right. And, and so you, you need to I, I, you need to get a seasoned veteran GM in there who knows what he's doing. They're already going to fail on that. Um, and honestly, Bianami is my is my number one choice. Um, I saw an interesting name I kind of forgotten about at the NFL level for a while now. Who honestly mm-hmm. the game might have passed him by enough at this point, but would, if anything, it'd be, at least bring a change in energy and approach. Um, and I've always loved this guy, John Harbaugh. So 
Um, I, I, that name is always going to interest me when I see people float that out as a potential. But, you know, I mean, it, it's really the enemy in, in the rest, and they should put a full-court press to get him. And, honestly, hopefully they come to a realization before the end of the year that uh, they got to get rid of Easter because he sucks. No, that's not fair. Yep. He doesn't suck. Uh, know all true. Good, but he does have any experience. Yeah. That's an, <laughs> and really, and there you go. That was Ryan's concise thoughts on Bill O'Brien. As you can tell, he hasn't given us any thought whatsoever. Uh, totally off the cuff there. <laughs> but we all know how we feel about Bill O'Brien and what's going on over there and the Patriots approaching tree. Hey, let's get real quick. We're running a little bit short on time, but let's give it two minutes of time here. I'm going to go ahead and hit the bell on this subject so we get the next one, and that's Dwayne Haskins. Ron Rivera has benched Dwayne Haskins for Week 5. Kyle Allen will start in Week 6 against the Rams. Prior to Week 5, Rivera said that Haskins needs to, quote, improve greatly to remain the starter. Haskins responded with his first 300-yard game, connecting on 32 or 45 passes against the Ravens, adding three rushes for three yards and a touchdown. But that wasn't good enough to keep his job. What do you think, Ryan? Two minutes. Thoughts on this benching. Too soon to give up. Good timing or long overdue? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it's tough because I, cause I think I missed on Haskins. I, I was big on Haskins coming out, thought he had a chance to so was I. Um, be special at the next level. I think the more and more film I've watched him, I've seen very little regression, um, and I don't think that he, he – he might be a low-end starting quarterback or one of these journeymen who can bounce around team to team, but I don't think he's a high-end uh, quarterback prospect. With that said, like you said last week, he went against a tough opponent, played well, and on top of that, I mean – we're talking about a team who's got Terry McLaurin, who a nice story, and I and I and I like Terry McLaurin. I think he's been a good player. I think ideally, if you're talking about, and now he might develop past this, but like, let's just be honest. Take away the production. Just take just you know, and a much bigger response, but just look at his his overall talent level. Like he doesn't fit the bill as as, as a true number one receiver to me. He's a great great number two. He might be a one B, but but I don't see. You know, he he reminds me a lot of Tyler Lockett, which Tyler Lockett's a fine number one in Seattle right now because you have a magician at quarterback. But if you put Tyler Lockett on another team, uh-huh. is Tyler Lockett individually good enough to um, to be and you know take take double teams in the number one coverage every night? No. So you got Terry McLaurin, and then you got a bunch of you know uh, Jags, just other just another guy um, on, on that team, uh-huh. and then you have. Um, you know, Antonio uh, Gibson at, at running back, who's yeah, okay, but I mean, he's he's upside. Yeah, he is upside, but is he an elite talent running back? No, I mean, the, the point is that there's nobody elite. They've, they've, put, they've put a lot of draft capital on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, so so that's obviously where it their is. focus has been. But, but I get so frustrated when I see teams like this where I'm just like, what are you surrounding this guy with? And so, so is, does Kyle Allen give you a better chance to win? Maybe marginally. Long-term, who's your better option? Dwayne Haskins. And we've seen over the last couple of years, mainly other positions, but guys take a little bit more of a, a later developmental jump, the most obvious and recent one, Devontae Parker. And, you know, we just call it the third-year wide receiver jump. He took the fifth-year wide receiver jump last year. So, I don't know. if uh-huh. you know, Your best bet is to draft somebody uh, else you know, in this draft class. Hopefully you suck enough this year that you can go get – um, you're probably not. I don't think they're going to be the number one seed. I think the Jets are that with a bullet right now. Um, but maybe can number two yeah. get Justin Fields. You know, so I, I think that's a better play than putting your. If Kyle Allen is marginally better and makes you go six and six and ten, uh, and, and now you're out of the Justin Fields sweepstakes, you know, you miss out on the yeah, team. I don't think the point of that. Guys in this draft. I think that's. A, I think that's a bad right. move. So Haskins is your better long-term play. 
that's that's what I'd put it I'd put in there. And you know, I just look at similar again. We just mentioned the Jets. I just mentioned the Jets. Like Sam Darnold, people are down on Darnold. That team sucks. What does Darnold have around him? It's the same thing for for Haskins. Um, so again, quickly, I'm torn right. on it. Um, because I, because I, because I think that I've come back to earth on on my prospects for him, and don't think that he's as good as I thought he was going to be. Um, but also, yep. you know, I, I don't, I don't think they're doing him any favors. Yeah, I totally agree. I think they keep, they should keep him in there for the rest of the year, see if he turns it around. There is no reason for them to try to turn this around at this point with Kyle Allen. Even if you come out of the NFC East, there's no possible way you advance out of that uh, really, really sad, sad division right now. So let's hit the bell. Move on to our last topic of the game. Uh, last topic of the day, because uh, we're running a little short. What game are you looking forward to watching in week four? Uh, can I? Or week five, actually. Can I say that? Not week four. Jeez. Week five. <laughs> well, can I can I say none of them at this point? Because I'm just like. Just, <laughs> Whichever is going to be on TV at this point, because they might all be out for COVID. <laughs> yeah, who, who, who the hell knows what we're even going to get this week? So, um, no, I mean. <laughs> There's not a lot of marquee matchups uh, this weekend, so I'm not super pumped about uh, this schedule. I would I would say that the most interesting to me is the one on Monday night uh, with the Chargers and the Saints because I think we're seeing the cliff in the end of Drew Brees. Um, and take his stats out of it. Go look at his PFF grades. I mean, he's not graded well this year. He's not played well. Um, and that yep. defense, you know, uh, they they put a lot of effort into fixing that defense. Um, and I just think that that defense continues to come up short and not be good enough. Uh, on the other side, a guy who, who, again, another guy I'll say I was wrong on, Justin Herbert, I mean, at least through the first couple games, I was super down on him as a prospect. Um, thought he was just that typical, you know, uh, Pac-10 guy who just goes out there in the big arm and can make all the throws and all those stupid things they all say. You know, it reminded me a lot of, like, just of like a Drew Bledsoe type player. Um who just, you know, typically is not the kind of guy that I'd like at quarterback. I like guys with short, intermediate, yeah. super accurate passers. Um, so I, I didn't think Justin Herbert was going to be that good. I mean, he's looked fantastic the first couple weeks. Um, I think he's looked and, great, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I think that one's interesting because we might be starting to see uh, – Emergence there. You know, I don't right? call, emergence, yeah. I don't want to call it too big. You don't want to give him that much? But if this, no, but I mean, but on both sides. I think it's a, a kind of a, a crossroads game for both teams. Yeah. If the Saints sure. lose this game and the Chargers win it, the Chargers may have really found something and be on the uptick, and we might really be seeing the mm-hmm. end of the Saints, at least the Drew Brees run Saints, uh, if, if they lose this yeah, game. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And the Chargers actually you know, almost beat the, uh, almost beat the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in, uh, in week three. So, you know, oh. it, let's give them a little bit of credit. Uh, that was actually – they kind of blew it. But, hey, I will say this. Game I'm looking forward to, in all honesty, if I actually play, are the Bills and Titans because they're both undefeated, and I don't know if they deserve to be undefeated, but it'll be interesting to see how that actually plays out if they actually do play. But, hey, how can you not want to see Thursday night football and a Super Bowl rematch, Brady versus Foles? Come on, man. You didn't want to mention oh, that? God. Two, three, that and one billing, teams, Brady and Foles. So there you go. That, those that's are, entertainment. That's not a Super Bowl rematch. It's so dumb. It reminds me, reminds me of years ago. <laughs> Come uh, on, man. In Brady and Foles, that's got to be good. In 2007, Clay Foles for the NFL. Up. That's all. I'm getting commissioned for this, right? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, you're, you're carrying their water. So. In uh, 2007, <laughs> uh, Clay Buckholtz came up 
and pitched uh, a couple spot starts in September for the Red Sox, uh, then didn't play in the postseason. The Sox went on to win the World Series that year. Um, he actually, I think that was the year Clay Buckle threw a no-hitter uh, in, in his first like, professional game. Anyways, uh, years later, I was at Fenway in, I think, it was 2014, and they had a big banner outside. You know, they had a bunch of banners outside for it was April of that year, so it was early in the season. And there was a big poster yep. hung up by the Red Sox outside of Fenway that said, uh, Clay Buckles, two times World Series champ. Get the hell out of here. He, he, was, he was barely part of that 07 team. And it's the same thing with the Brady Foles. This, they're, they're both on different teams. It's not a rematch. That's it's, it's exciting. So, it's so stupid. You just want it to be exciting because you're Come a Come on, but Thursday night football, you, be, you can't ask for much, right? I mean, I mean you're lucky anything, we're lucky that it's even barely watchable. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're okay, we're, we're well. much better off than we were last week with that with that. Exactly, show that's about my so. point. I have a very low bar for Thursday night football, and I'm putting my my Bears fandom aside here. But I have a very low bar for Thursday night football. You know, so hey, give me a storyline. I don't care what. All right, well, here we are at the end of the day, uh, end of the show, and uh, the air horn on the show here. Ryan, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? Yes, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield. Any the last thing I will say, just because we uh, you, you mentioned how the the Chargers could have beat Kansas City, they also should have beat Tampa Bay. Uh, if Joshua Kelly didn't have mm-hmm. one of the ugliest and weakest looking fumbles I've ever seen, um, which I personally <laughs> invested in because of the fact that yep. I hate watching Tom Brady all season and rooting for nothing but bad things. Uh, to happen to him from a football perspective, of course, not personal. Of course, um, but on the football field, I would like. Bad things I would don't like happen to him in real life. Playoff. We know that. <laughs> and they should have. They should have. They the, the the Chargers should have won that game. So uh, they've had two missed opportunities. Oh, Hopefully, they can piece that together. Chargers could be three and one right now. So who knows? I mean, it, they they have they have some talent there, and um, you know, I'm I'm call me pleasantly surprised. I did not think I was not a Justin Herbert guy. I'm slowly coming around. We'll see how that turns out. All right, you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. Thank you once again for coming and listening, and thanks for wasting time with us. Until next time, everyone, enjoy your NFL week.